the first scripture read is this on? Oh. <laughs> Although I've got a pretty loud voice, so you probably don't need it. Uh, the scripture reading is taken from Isaiah. There we go. Chapter 58, starting at verse 1 and reading through verse 12. Shout loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime, to the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day, desiring knowledge of my ways like a nation that acted righteously. They didn't abandon their God. They asked me for just for righteous judgments, wanting to be close to God. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day you do whatever you want. You oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose, a day of self-affliction, of bending one's head like a reed and of lying down in mourning clothing and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose, releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger-pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. The Lord will guide you continually and provide for you, even in parched places. He will rescue your bones. You will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water that won't run dry. They will rebuild ancient ruins on your account. The foundations of generations past you will restore. You will be called mender of broken walls, restorers of livable streets. Amen. The gospel reading today uh, comes from Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing on in the Sermon on the Mount. So again, if you have a red-letter Bible, which is that the words of Jesus are written in red, you have a lot of red on these pages because Jesus starts talking in chapter 5 and keeps on talking until chapter 7. So this is one long sermon. Um, last week we had the Beatitudes, the blessed are, the blessed are, the blessed are, the, and this continues on from that. And so uh, in last week's lesson, Jesus was blessing the people that you wouldn't expect to be blessed. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are... Um, all the, all the things that we try to hide, all the ways in which we suffer privately. And Jesus was saying, even those people will be blessed. And so we continue on um, in that vein. And Jesus, when he's saying uh, you, he's referring uh, not just to us, but specifically to those people who have been persecuted, those people who have been the meek and the, um, the people who felt left out. Um, so we pick up in chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, continuing on through verse 20. Listen to the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth, 
But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it become salty again? It's good for nothing to be, it's good for nothing to be thrown away and trampled under one's feet. You are the light of the world. A, new, a city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things that you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor even the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you, unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Almighty God, open our hearts, open our minds. May your word be found in my words. Amen. So we see Jesus in this passage uh, giving us two metaphors that are so well-worn that we can miss them, Uh, that you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. And much like the Cairo that we see here, or this Alpha and the Horseshoe, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, uh, there are things that just are in the church that just have happened, and you think, oh yeah, I know what that means, you're the light of the world, so let your light shine. You're the salt of the earth, so be salty. Uh, And we don't really think about what that means. And metaphors only work if you understand what they mean. And so it's important for us to actually look at what Jesus means by this. Um, First, in terms of the salt, um, salt is really important. It's it's been an important part of human civilization for the last couple thousand years uh, because it actually does a lot of things. It it gives flavor to lots of food that does not have flavor. Um, In cultures that all of a sudden have salt, that can change a lot of things, and it preserves things. It's a preserving agent. It does a lot of other stuff as well, but it is um, fundamental to civilization, and especially to Jesus' civilization, that uh, this was basically their, their main spice at this point. And so everybody would know exactly what salt was. And so when Jesus says, uh, says what happens to salt when it loses its saltiness, he's being, uh, he's being silly, really. Because salt, it's like what happens to water when it loses its wetness. It can't. Salt cannot not be salty. There is nothing scientifically that you can do to salt to lose its saltiness. You can change it from being salt, but then it's not salt anymore. We even have, uh, I, I looked it up, because uh, we have like sugar substitute and all kinds of things that will replicate a lot of stuff. We don't really have a salt substitute. The closest thing that we have to a salt substitute is fake salt, which doesn't work. You replace sodium chloride, which is what salt is, you replace the sodium with potassium, and it doesn't really work. It's just not salt. So fake salt is just not salt. You can't have less salt, low sodium salt. It's just not a thing. It's like having low wetness water. 
Like, it's, it's just not possible. So when Jesus is talking about, you know how salt loses its saltiness? The response is, no, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. You know, that, you know when you dive into a lake and, like, the water's just not wet anymore? And you're like, well, we need to get new water. Like, that sounds ridiculous. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so when he says, what, what do you do with salt that loses its saltiness? The answer is nothing, because I can't imagine that situation happening. And his point is, like, it's not even worth throwing on the ground to be trampled underfoot. It's not even worth throwing on, on manure, is what it says in some other places, which is what you would do it was, uh, you, if you throw salts on top of waste even, it kind of cuts down the, the smell and it cuts down the, some bad stuff. So salt, it has purposes other than even just flavoring, like it's helpful. It dissolves um, ice and things like that, which is not a big, big problem in the Middle East, but it was still, uh, it still had other purposes beyond that. So what do we do that, with salt that ceases to be salt, basically? And what Jesus is saying is, you are salt. And salt has one goal, to be salty. What happens when you stop being salty? You're not salt anymore. Then he, he goes to an analogy that's a little more obtainable. You're the light of the world. And who lights a light and puts it under a basket? Again, I said this in the, in the middle school, or in the, uh, in the, in the children's sermon, but uh, I think most of us, you grew up with this song, you know that song, This Little Light of Mine? Yeah, it's one of those universal ones that it's, it's not... Um, one, it's not really tied to a generation. You just kind of always know it. Um, I was actually even surprised that some of these kids know it because unless you've been to preschool and stuff, we haven't sang it as much here, but it's just, you just know it. It's part of the, the parlance of being uh, an American Christian is you just understand this song, This Little Light of Mine. And uh, I, I wonder how many... When I was a kid, I always really struggled with the idea... Not really struggled, but I was very confused by the idea of, of hiding this under a bush. Because I think that that's what makes sense. Unless you have someone explain to you what a bushel is, it sounds like hide it under a bush. And I even had people um, telling me, oh yeah, hide it under a bush. And they would give an image of a bush because they had heard it the wrong way too. Because bush makes sense, bushel doesn't. Now, really, neither of them make any sense because why would anyone put a light under a bushel basket? And especially in Jesus' time, the light that they had were lamps. They were open flames. What would happen if you put a basket over an open flame? it's going to burn down the house. So not only is this silly to do, it's incredibly stupid. And so Jesus is giving us an example of something not that's just going to hide the light. It's actually dangerous because the light will burn through the thing that you're trying to hide it from. It's a good image of uh, not, he doesn't talk about blowing out the light. He talks about trying to cover the light. And if you try to cover a flame, you're going to get hurt. The flame will come through. Now, if we hide a candle under a glass, It'll go out because it cuts oxygen. But that's a different example than what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about extinguishing the light. He's talking about pretending that the light isn't shining. One of the things um, that is the most interesting about light to me um, from a scientific standpoint, I, I like the science of this. It, in the same way that sodium chloride is always going to be salt. And you, as soon as you take away the sodium, it's not salt anymore. It's just chloride with something else. Uh, it's like taking hydrogen out of H2O, it's just not water anymore. Um, that light is not a thing. It's a reflection. And so any of the, any of the light that we see is just light. Uh, light I mean, light is, a, is it's energy. But any of the light we see is just light bouncing off of stuff. And so a mirror is not creating new energy. It's just highly reflective. So in the same way that uh, if someone's wearing glasses, 
you can see the light reflecting on that, but you can still see through their face. The glass is reflective, but not fully. It's also transparent, so you can see through it. Um, that dark colors are not dark, they're just less reflective, so this absorbs light. And so a, a mirror just reflects the light, and, re and reflect the kind of, um, they have mirrors in labs that will reflect 100% of the light. Uh, but most mirrors that we have are about 70%. And so those mirrors are not the actual source of energy. But the more mirrors that you have, so if you have a, a room that's filled with mirrors, one, uh, that probably happened in the 70s, and that's a weird room, but, uh, um, and you light a candle in there, it will feel like there's more candles in there, but it won't necessarily be brighter. There's not more energy going on, but there's more uh, examples of light throughout. And each of those mirrors is not its own source of light. It's just helping you to see the light. That's probably um, a more nuanced way of understanding what Jesus is asking us to do. When Jesus says, you are the light of the world, and we see this in, in the passage where he says, when people see your light in the world, they will give thanks, not to you, but to God, the source of the light. So that we are not, uh, when, when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, he's not saying, God is, we are all little gods, and we're all little pieces of God, and God can be seen in all of us. No, there's a very specific difference between saying God is each one of us, and God is reflected in each one of us. In the same way that the candle that you put in the middle of a room full of mirrors is reflected in each of those mirrors. It's not multiplied. It's not all of a sudden we have 20 candles in this room. It may feel like there's 20 candles because we can see light in different ways, but all of the energy in that room is coming from that one actual candle. So all of our energy comes from God. And so the, the thing about light, and again, from a, 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 from a scientific standpoint, one of the neatest things about it is that the energy is not lost by sharing it. By putting a mirror up to a candle, it doesn't seek, or it doesn't, it doesn't leach energy away from that candle. By putting a, a light next to a window, the reflection on that light doesn't make the candle burn less, or the, the light shine less. And so for us, we, we, we can think of light uh, as, as a resource that is inexhaustible. And so to not share that light is silly, because sharing the light actually doesn't make it less effective. Trying to hide the light makes it less effective. When you put a basket over top of it to save it, then it doesn't work at all. If I have a light, a flashlight, and I keep it in my pocket so that no one else can use the light, I also can't use the light. Light is something to be shared. And so Jesus is using this image to say that we've been given this thing that is for all people. Uh, it, it goes on to say that... that uh, that light cannot be overtaken by darkness, which is another scientific thing. Darkness is not a thing, it's the absence of light. There is no darkness that's so good that if you put a light bulb in a dark enough room that it will suck the light out of it. That doesn't happen. Even a black hole is not that. A black hole is a whole other thing, a complicated process, but it's not darkness taking over light. It's a different thing. Light just can't be taken over by darkness because darkness is not anything. The problem with hiding your light, with hiding the resources, thinking of your light, thinking of the love that God gives you, the way in which God blesses you, as a limited resource, coming from a sense of scarcity. That, ah, oh, we don't want this to shine everywhere. We don't want to do this because if I do this for everyone, then it'll go away. 
So we, again, get to these resources. You're the salt of the earth. Okay, go out and do that. You're the light of the world. Okay, what do I need to do? Let my light shine. Okay, amen. See you later. But what does that look like? Isaiah has some help for us in terms of that. Isaiah is talking about, talking to a people, talking to us, uh, who are really good at worshiping, who are really good at fasting. That was one of the main practices and ways in which you showed your righteousness and your devotion to God. And their fasting was a lot of show. Look at how I'm doing all these things, and God is saying, I don't care about any of that. You think that's a good fast? Do you think that that helps anyone when you wail and moan and do it and wave around like a reed in the wind? Who cares about that? You want to have a good fast? A good fast is this. Break the yoke of the oppressed. Feed the hungry. Welcome homeless, poor people into your house. Clothe the naked. Let loose the shackles of those who are oppressed. And even more, stop pointing fingers and giving wicked speech and blaming other people for things. Help the afflicted. Shining your light is not simply uh, basically wearing a, a shirt that says, I love Jesus, and walking around the, the, the world listening to Word FM and uh, telling everyone you're going to pray for them. None of those are bad things, but none of those are shining your light. Your light instead is making a difference in the world. Jesus is very, very clear. Jesus is this way. Uh, at the end of, of Matthew, um, I think in chapter 25, right towards the end, he's talking to his, his followers before the crucifixion, and, and he says, uh, when I, was, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, you didn't come visit me. You aren't my followers. And they say, well, when did that happen? We would have done that for you anytime. We never saw you naked or hungry or in prison or without a home. And Jesus' response is, well, anytime you saw anybody like that, you saw me. And then he does the flip. Well, you guys are great because when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was homeless, you gave me a home. When I was in prison, you come to visit me. And they say, no, we never saw you either like that. And Jesus in a positive way. Well, any time you did that for anybody, you did that for me. God is letting us know very clearly how we can reflect who God is in the world. How we can share our light. Uh, as I said with the, with the kids, that a lot of times, and this is what the Pharisees were doing, we try to reflect God by pointing fingers at ourselves to say, look how great I am. This is what God can do. Look how pious I am. This is what God can do. Look at how wonderful God can make you if you just become like me. And that's not reflecting God. That's reflecting you. If you are truly sharing your lights, you are doing these things that Jesus is asking. You are helping the oppressed. You are feeding the hungry. You are clothing the naked. You are uh, breaking the chains of those who are imprisoned. You are helping the afflicted. And you are not pointing fingers or speaking evil. We struggle with this a lot because we have so much in our culture that tells us 
to take care of ourselves first. And then hopefully we'll be a good example. Even the, the, the passage in here, a city shining on a hill uh, cannot be hidden, has been taken over by politics and became a, uh, a slogan, which was not the point of what that verse is about, to say that the rest of the world will see how great our country is and they'll say, well, we want to be like them. It's not what that's about. Instead, it's more like the poem on the Statue of Liberty. This statue that holds this beacon for the world to say, if you are tired, if you are hungry, if you are huddled masses yearning to be free, come here and we will help you. Not look at us and you'll be inspired. That's a narrative that we put throughout this country to say, the rich people will inspire the poor people to work harder. That is not what Jesus is calling us to do. That is not what Jesus is calling us to support. That is not what Jesus is calling us to reflect. The light that we have is good news to all people. To people who walk in darkness, any light is good. But if you are walking around to people in darkness with a light that's just shining on you so that they can see how great somebody is who has a flashlight, that's not helpful. What are we doing to shine our lights? What bushel basket have we hidden our light under? How salty are you? We go from this place reflecting the true source of light. We go from this place bearing witness to a God who has love for every single person. Our blessings are merely a reflection of the blessings that God has in store for everyone. When we come from a place of scarcity, we are afraid to share those blessings. We put up walls and boundaries and reasons to keep people in prison, reasons to keep people at arm's length because we're afraid that they will take our blessings. But that's like hiding a light under a basket. Our blessings are meant to be shared. We pray to a God who gives us this day what we need, and we'll do the same tomorrow. If everything we have today is given away, tomorrow we will be given more. Let us live as people who understand abundance, and not scarcity. Let us live as people who are truly people of light, a light that can never be extinguished, a light, a light that can never be used up, a light that only becomes brighter the more it is reflected. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before the world that all would give thanks to God. Amen.